0: Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining our broadcast today. We're excited about sharing the word with you. We've been talking about over the last couple of weeks going from devastation to restoration. And I'm quite sure that there are many of you that are watching this broadcast right now that certainly could benefit from the message that you're about to hear, the lesson, the truths from God's word. So I want to encourage you to put away everything else and just give me your undivided attention for a few moments. We'll share some things with you from the Word of God that I believe will position you to experience a major turnaround in your life and the kind of restoration that God wants you to experience. We discovered in our last two broadcasts from Deuteronomy chapter 30 that God promises that He will turn the captivity of His people. That's in verse 2 and 3. And then in verse 9, He also promises that He will restore their fortunes. He will restore What was taken from them. So, God not only promises to turn your captivity, which means that He will stop that attack, and then He also promises that He will restore to you everything that was stolen while you were going through that process. So, that's good news, praise God. Wouldn't you agree with me, audience? That is good news. God will stop the attack and He will restore to you what Satan has stolen. Now, I want to make this statement to you, as you find in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 27, Genesis chapter 27, nothing in your life changes until you get fed up with your current circumstances. Nothing in your life changes until you get fed up with your present circumstances. It means that you've reached the place where you're no longer willing to allow this to continue. That's what fed up means. You know, I, I remember as a little boy, my mom would say, uh, "Of course, uh, you know, it, it was Jerry if everything was cool, but it was Jerry Jr. if I was in trouble." And uh, when she'd come in my room and say, "Jerry Jr., I told you to clean this room up," okay, Mom, I'll do it, and then I'd get busy doing something else, and didn't do it. But when she came in there, fed up, oh, there was an anointing that came on, Mama. You know. <laughs> And, brother, when mama wasn't happy, nobody was happy. And that's true. I don't care if, uh, you know, you're a six-foot-five, 300-pound linebacker at the high school you play football for, uh, and mama says, clean up the room, and you don't do it. Little four-foot-eight mama, when she gets fed up, there's an anointing that comes on her, especially for six-foot-five, 300-pound boys that don't obey. Amen? (laughs) So you know what fed up is. Husbands, you know what fed up is. I told you for the last time, quit leaving them towels laying around in this bathroom. <laughs> Your wife is fed up. You in trouble. You know. Well, you have to get fed up with the adversary. That's right. And a lot of Christians never get there. They just keep tolerating, keep putting up with it, thinking they have no, uh, they have no choice in the matter. Yes, you do. You don't have to just sit around and put up with this. You have a right to take authority over it. Now. In Genesis chapter 27, it's the story of when Isaac was an old man, and now he's about to die, and it's time for him to pass the blessing down to the oldest brother. And you know, uh, Esau and Jacob were his sons, and, and Esau was entitled to that blessing. But you remember how Jacob deceived his father into making him think he was Esau, and the blessing came on him. When Esau came and realized that his brother had deceived and, and received the blessing, then here's what he says in verse 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, "Bless me, even me also, O my father." And he said, "Thy brother came with subtlety or deception, and hath taken away thy blessing." In verse 38 it says, "And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword... Now look at verse 40 very closely. And by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Now, let me just unscramble some of that Elizabethan English. What Isaac is saying to Esau is this, you are going to be a servant to your brother. He will have dominion over you. However, there will come a time that you will have the dominion and you will break that yoke from off his neck. Now, if you read the Amplified, it will tell you when that time comes. It says, when you grow restive or when you grow restless. That means in Texas, fed up. (laughs) In other words, he says, Esau, you are going to live this way for the rest of your life until you get restless on the inside. When you realize you don't have to live this way anymore and you begin to exercise your dominion, then that's when you're going to break this yoke from off your neck. Notice, if he never gets fed up or restless, then he's going to live that way for the rest of his life. That's what I'm saying to you today. I believe that's what the Spirit of God is saying to you today. Are you just going to sit there and allow the devil to destroy your life? Are you just going to lay back and, and, and live in this devastation? Are you going to allow him to rob from you for the rest of your life? Are you going to let him rob you of your destiny and your future when you don't have to? You see, if you grow restive or restless on the inside, meaning you have discovered from the Word of God that you don't have to live this way anymore. So that's what happened to me back there in 1969. I was just existing. I was just, as I say many times, I just a little speck on the universe, Nobody knew I existed to speak of. I'm just existing. I'm just barely getting by. I'm in survival mode. And then I heard the Word. I heard the Word of God, the truth. Now, I'd heard sermons before, but none of them impressed me like this sermon that I heard from Kenneth Copeland in 1969. He made the Bible sound real and not like some storybook. He made Jesus sound real, not like Santa Claus and Easter Bunny. And and all of a sudden, I'm hearing truths that I'd never heard in my life before, and I found out that night, I don't have to live like this anymore, that I have a covenant with God, that if I'll make Jesus the Lord of my life, I enter into covenant with God, and I have a right to walk in the blessing of God, and the blessing of God says that I can be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Well, I was living beneath, I was not above, I was beneath. I was not the head, I was the tail. But now I'm hearing good news that I don't have to live this way anymore. So what happened? I got restless. I got restive on the inside. I got fed up. I thought, if the Bible is true and I can live the way the Bible says I can live, the way God wants me to live, then I'm not going to sit back and live this way anymore. Amen. And the first thing I did is get in the Word And study it day and night to find out God's plan for my life. And I found out God's plan was totally different than the plan I had. And it's certainly different than Satan's plan. And I began to feed my spirit and feed my mind, the word of God and change my speech and begin to talk the word instead of my problems and talk the word instead of all I'm going through. I'm not saying pretend you're not going through anything. I'm just saying don't major on that. Major on the Word of God. Amen. Speak the Word. And that's what I began to do. Now, if you watch the broadcast on Monday, I told you about a time, uh, even after I went into the ministry, where Satan began to say to me, after I'd, I'd kind of hit a wall in the ministry, and the devil began to say to me, you're a failure. You failed in business, you're going to fail in the ministry. Well, I told you what I did, what the Lord told me to do to overcome that. I didn't tell you the end result. The end result was, that was 1976 when the devil was telling me I would fail in ministry. It's 2015 or maybe 2016 by the time you see this broadcast. Um, I'm not a failure, by the way. Praise God. In fact, I'm extremely blessed, highly favored, and very successful. Hallelujah. So. I took the Word of God and and pulled down those lies from the devil, and look at me now, praise Amen. God. Amen. And God can do the same for you. Yes. But you got to get restless on the inside. You got to get fed up with your present circumstances and then take action. People who get fed up are not passive people. They take action. They become aggressive. And that's what I had to do. And that's what uh, Isaac is telling Esau. If you don't want to live uh, uh, under the uh, dominion of your brother for the rest of your life, then grow, restive, grow restless, get fed up, and you will then have the dominion, and you won't have to live that way any longer. Right. Well, those, those, that principle is seen throughout the Bible. The woman in um, the book of Mark, who had the issue of blood and uh, had been s- suffering for many, many years, spent everything she had on physicians, but didn't get any better. She lived that way for 18 years, I believe the Bible says. And uh, she didn't get any better. But then that day that she heard, excuse me, that Jesus had come to town, and she heard that he performed miracles, and she felt in her heart that possibly a miracle could be performed on her. And even though she is sick, she is hardly able to, to walk. You know, a a block in front of her, much less miles or whatever it took for her to get to where Jesus was. And yet she was determined that I am not going to live this way anymore. And she said, if I can just get to where He is and if I can just touch His clothes, I will be made whole. And she did whatever she had to do. Who knows what that little woman went through. The Bible doesn't tell us everything she went through just to get to where Jesus was, but I'm quite sure based on her condition that it wasn't the easiest thing she'd ever done. But what's happening? She grew restless. She didn't want to live this way anymore. She heard she could be free. And so she got fed up with her condition and she took action and she went to Jesus. And it happened just like she said, when she touched his clothes, she was made whole. Blind Bartimaeus sat on the wayside begging, you know. But he heard that Jesus was nearby, and he began to cry out, "Master, Son of David, have mercy on me!" What is he doing? He got restless on the inside. He 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 believed that since he'd heard that other blind people had been healed, that it could happen to him. So he decided, "I'm not living this way anymore. I'm calling out to Jesus. I'm going to receive my healing." And even though people told him to shut up, he would not. He yelled the louder. And they told him, shut up. And he kept yelling the louder. Why? Because he was fed up with his condition and he was not going to live that way any longer. Not only that, before he got up and walked to Jesus, he took off his beggar clothes. Why? He's saying in his heart, if I can just get to Jesus he will touch my eyes. I will be made healed. I'm made whole and I won't have to be a beggar anymore. I can live a normal life. So he threw that old beggar's robe off and took off to Jesus. He got his sight and his life changed. Why? Because he got restless. Are you restless yet? Are you going to sit there and just let the devil destroy your life, keep you in bondage, uh, devastate you, rob from you everything you've got? You don't have to live that way. But you have to grow restless. You have to get to the place where you say, enough is enough. No more. I'm not living this way anymore. Now, I'm not promising you that everything is going to change in one day, but I am promising you this. If you get restless and you change on the inside, eventually everything on the outside will change. Amen. And who knows? It could happen in a day. I'm not saying it It couldn't I'm not promising you it will, but it could happen in a day. I mean, there's stories in the Bible where it says this time tomorrow, 24 hours later, and everything changed. Well, you just dare believe that God wants to turn your captivity and dare to believe that He is in the process of restoring your life right now. Praise God. In fact, I think you ought to lift your hands and begin to thank him for it in advance. Just say, Lord, I thank you that you are turning my captivity. I thank you, Lord, that you are restoring my life and give him a good shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whatever you might be going through right now is not too big for him. Amen. You remember when God told Abraham and Sarah, that they were going to have a child and from this child would come a mighty nation. When Sarah heard that, she laughed. And to her, it was impossible because the Bible says that her womb was dead. She was an old woman. She could not uh, bear children. She could not conceive. And she laughed when she heard that statement because it sounded so impossible. But God said in Genesis 18:14, is anything too hard for the Lord? In the literal, that's El Shaddai. And El Shaddai is the God in whom nothing is impossible. So you need to, you need to remind yourself of that. What you're going through right now is not too big for El Shaddai. In fact, when I'm going through things that look impossible, I just stand back and say, looks like a job for El Shaddai. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Looks like a job for El Shaddai. And you know, he's never let me down, never failed me one time. Praise God. So what you're going through is not too hard for El Shaddai, the God in whom nothing is impossible. Go with me to Psalm 126 and I want to prove to you with more scripture that God can turn captivity and God can restore. Hallelujah. In Psalm 126, verse one says, when the Lord Turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Notice here, it says the first word is probably one of the most important words in that entire psalm, When everybody say when. when. Notice it didn't say, if the Lord turns our captivity. It said when. That's Hallelujah. Right. See, the psalmist is saying, I know he will. It's just a matter of time. It's not if he will. It's when he will. Yeah. When the Lord turns again the captivity of Zion. It says, we were like them the dream. I mean, many times it's that way. Like, you know, you could, you could go to bed one night, devastated financially and don't know where in the world you're going to get the money to pay all these bills, or where are you are going to get the money to, to, to meet the need that you have. And the next day, God turned it around because you wouldn't give up. And I don't, I'm not talking about this all happened in 24 hours. It could, but you may have been in this process for days and weeks and even months. And yet, for days and weeks and months, you went to bed wondering, how are we ever going to get out of this mess? But then the next day, your turnaround comes, it's like a dream. You know, the night before you might've had some problems going to sleep because you had to cast all them thoughts down. Uh, uh, you know, this is never going to happen. How are we ever going to get through this? But then the next night you don't sleep because you're rejoicing too much. It was like a dream. Hallelujah. Amen. One day I'm devastated. The next day my captivity has been turned and I've been restored. God can do those kind of things. That's what he's saying right here. When the Lord turned again the captivity, it was like a dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter. Our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. Notice, even the non-believer recognizes when God has done some big things in your life. So once again, here it says that God can turn your captivity. And it's not if he does it's when he does. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, it's just a matter of time. Yes. Tell somebody, don't quit, don't quit now. You're too close to a turnaround. Amen? Praise God. Now, some of you might be thinking, but Brother Jerry, you don't know the pressure I'm under right now. Hey, I got good news for you. You're under a lot of pressure? Put a smile on your face. You know what that means? You got the devil right where you want him. He just fired his best shot. You're still standing. You're about to win. Praise God. Amen? When you're under the greatest pressure to quit, that's always an indication Satan is about to retreat. Hallelujah. He's fired his best shot. You're still standing and you're going to win. So put a smile on your face. You say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, there was a time when I didn't think I could either. And I went to the Lord and I said, God, I don't know anything else to do. He said, stand. I said, I've been standing. He said, then stand some more. I wanted to say, is there anybody else up there? I need a second opinion, (laughs) but there's nobody else, you know, that's going to tell you any different than what God says up there anyway. he said, stand. I said, well, Lord, I've been standing. He said, keep standing. And then he said this, if you could see what I see, you'd be rejoicing. I said, well, what do you see? He said, Satan just fired his best shot and it didn't get you. You're about to win. He said, keep standing. And rejoice this time. So I began rejoicing. In the natural, there was nothing changed. In the natural, it didn't look like there was any reason to rejoice, but I did it in faith because I believe what God said, that if I could see what he saw, Satan is finished and I'm about to win. So I started rejoicing and and trusting God, not leaning to my own understanding and praise God I did win. Hallelujah. And you'll win every time if you'll make up your mind that quit is not an option amen. Deception is Satan's greatest weapon. If you're taking notes, write that down. Deception is Satan's greatest weapon. If he can't deceive you, then he can't defeat you. Amen. And one of the ways that he he endeavors to deceive us is by telling us lies, speaking lies into our minds that are not in agreement with God's Word. So once again, if he can't deceive you, then he can't defeat you deception never happens to people who know the truth amen. when you know the truth then you can't be deceived the devil come along and say uh, you're not going to get your healing this time well see I know the truth by his stripes I am healed hallelujah yeah, yeah. I was healed yeah. amen yeah. well you're not going to get you're not going to get the money you need well the truth says, that it is the will of God that I prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospers. What am I doing? I'm casting down those lies. Like I told you on the very first broadcast, teaching this subject, I'm casting down those lies and I'm replacing them with the word of God. So when you know the truth, you cannot be deceived, praise God. So this is why you need to spend quality time in the word every day. I've been doing this for almost 47 years. And you know, I'm not at the place where I can say, I know enough, I know it all, I can live on what I've already learned. No, my spirit needs to be fed daily, the Word of God, just like your body does. You know, you don't tell your body when it's hungry, shut up, you ate last week. (laughs) No, you feed it again. Why tell your spirit, man, when it's crying out for more of God's work, shut up, we read the Bible last week. No, you need more And more and more every day of your life. There's not a day goes by I'm not in this book, praise God. And I'm not just looking for sermons. I study it every day because I know it's the truth and the truth will make you free. I'm freer today than I was yesterday because I learned more truth. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you don't want to be deceived, because that's the only way Satan can defeat you, then spend quality time in the Word so you will know the truth. Can you say Amen. I thought I could get to Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 31 today, but my time is out, so I can't, so we'll save it for next week's broadcast. But let me just remind you of this. Restoration belongs to you. Turning your captivity belongs to you. God wants you to experience that, and I'm not talking about years down the road. He wants you to experience it right now. So let me ask you this question before we go to our announcement. Are you restless? Are you fed up with your present condition? If so, then get aggressive with the Word of God, and I'm telling you, God will turn it around. You're about to experience a major breakthrough in your life. Watch this announcement. I'll be back in just a moment.
1: can go from devastation to restoration. As your life had setbacks, as Satan attacked your marriage, your family, your health, or your finances, in the book, From Devastation to Restoration, Jerry Savelle teaches that regardless of the pressure you may feel, now is not the time to give up. It's the time to get fed up. March into the enemy's camp and take back what's yours. You can get a revelation of God's great plans for your life. He wants your life to be better, improved, increased, and multiplied. In the three CD teaching series, How to Get Back Everything Satan Has Stolen From You, You can learn the scriptural keys to recover what the thief has stolen. God is ready for you to storm into the devil's camp and reclaim what is rightfully yours. Don't wait. Request the restoration package, including from devastation to restoration, and how to get back everything Satan has stolen from you today. Call or go online to jerrysavelle.org. Don't get discouraged. You are a candidate for God's restoration.
0: Does it seem like everybody you come in contact is negative? They're always telling you what can happen, what won't happen, what's impossible. Well, that's the reason I wrote this book, and that's the reason why I preach these messages on CD, is so that you could have some positive influence in your life. If you'll read the book, From Devastation to Restoration, I'm telling you, it will energize your faith. It'll encourage you. It'll inspire you. It'll enable you to rise up with ammunition, praise God, the Word of God. And show you how that you can get out of your present circumstances and move into the victorious kind of lifestyle that God has planned for you. And then on these three CDs, how to get back everything Satan has stolen from you. I not only teach this principle and show you step by step from the word of God, but give you several uh, testimonies and illustrations in here. Some of which I wish I could tell you right now, but some of them are quite lengthy and I don't have the time, but you would hear every one of them on these CDs. They're not just my testimonies, but testimonies of people that heard me preach this, applied the principles, and God honored it in their behalf. So I want to encourage you to, don't delay, order these resources right now. Go on our website or order by the phone number that's on your screen or the address however you, uh, is most convenient for you, but order them now. Don't, don't put it off. Don't think about, I'll do that, uh, later today. No, do it right now while it's fresh in your mind. And I'm telling you, when you get these in your home and you begin to read them and you begin to listen to them, you're going to be glad that you placed that order because I know the potential it has. Praise God. I want to also encourage all of our, uh, viewers to get in one of our meetings somewhere in your area. I'm preaching all over America, all over the world actually, and we've got meetings coming up and uh, you can log onto our website and find out where we are and come and join us. One of my great joys is when partners come to our meetings and say, Brother Jerry, I'm your partner. I tell people all the time, that's the greatest compliment you could ever get me, uh, give me, uh, telling me that uh, you believe in me. You believe in the call of God on my life. So partners, I'd love to see you in some of these upcoming meetings. Go on our website. You can find out where we're going to be. Also, if you don't receive our Adventures in Faith magazine, please uh, check that out. It's free. We'll send it to you, and uh, you can begin to uh, receive articles in that magazine, not only from me, my wife, and, and others as well, but they're encouraging messages uh, that you can carry around with you and read in just a matter of a few minutes. Also, don't forget social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, our our mobile app supports all smartphones and tablet platforms. And then also we live stream our Sunday morning service from Heritage of Faith right here in Crowley, Texas, and it's shown at 10 a.m. Central Time. So if you're if you're not in a church somewhere or you can't get to church, or maybe you're traveling, you're in a hotel or something. In fact, I've watched it many times on my uh, iPhone. When I wouldn't be there and Pastor Justin is preaching, I might be in an airport somewhere, flying somewhere to preach, and I'd just turn it on and watch the service, praise God. How convenient is that? So make, uh, make use of those valuable tools that we have made available to you. I want to encourage you, if you're not a partner with us, please consider being one. A partner is someone that supports the ministry, not only prayerfully, but financially on a consistent basis. We love our partners and we'd welcome you to be one of our partners in the days ahead. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week. And remember this, your faith will overcome the world.